welcome to another episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe or ever listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. I am so happy to share that this episode is sponsored by our friends over at Daft Boy. Daft Boy is an LGBTQ plus owned and operated startup based in San Francisco, committed to creating high quality and unique fans, accessories, and gear perfect for any occasion. Listeners of Block Talk can earn 15% off their purchase at daftboy.com with the code BLOCKTALK15. That's BLOCKTALK15 at daftboy.com. And as always, follow me on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter slash X at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. The Queens took on a classic drag race challenge that was inherently British. Was that the best rusical ever? Well, we're about to find out as we talk all things Drag Race UK5. And here with me to sing out, it's Zach Iconic. How are you? Great. How are you? How are you? I'm doing well. You know what? Listen, I am a theater person. This is my background. This is how I grew up. I was happy with this episode. I was happy with some of the episode, not all of it. I mean, listen, there were some decisions made by RuPaul and friends that I was like, okay, maybe um, we did have some wackadoodle drugs tonight. Um, But overall, you know what? I just love smiling, and this episode made me smile. Um, There's definitely aspects of this musical that was very entertaining. Like, the I want to say the word right is pantomime. Pantomime, okay. Get that in my head. There it is. All right. As always, I must leave a disclaimer. This is an entertainment podcast. We're discussing reality TV show characters as presented to us through reality production. We are shown the editing of a television show wants to see. We react to what is presented. Yes, the real people are given an opportunity to go on television to share their crap, but they've also been themselves in a position to discuss what's said in the podcast for entertainment to discuss reality TV show. All right. Uh, five episodes in, halfway through the season. How are you feeling? It's not as bad as I expected it to be. Like, I definitely heard a lot of negative things about the season. Mm-hmm. But even though this episode was kind of controversial, I think it was fair. You know, it seems like a fair season. Listen, the 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 the, the things that we heard before the season began, yes, it was a lot of um, controversy. We have moved past it now. Um, the show is edited in a way we now know it's familiar to us again. Um, but I, I, I think after that little hiccup, the fandom is going to remember and talk about it. But I think the general audience who just watches it, they're feeling fine about this season. And I think it's a good cast. Yeah, definitely a strong cast. And like you mentioned, the editing is way better because it was giving me motion sickness at the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. So it's like zoom in, zoom in. It was crazy. Literally. All right, let's but go. But yeah, this. now we're on in motion the season. We sure are. See you in a bit, dog shit. Miss Naomi Carter out. Uh, someone else has to go home at some point. As Carr reads the message, she realizes that she is American first and foremost, as she will have to put on her best Yorkshire to read Naomi's note. Now, Banksy calls Naomi one of the most generous, loving people you could ever have the pleasure of meeting. Very sweet. I mean, Naomi, she, filler. That's the best I can say. She definitely got her time in. I was like, oh, she she got her episodes in. Okay. She did. She did. 
Kara didn't want to go up against her sister or see herself be in the bottom, but it has been a surreal experience. She thought coming in there, she would be murdering every single challenge. Well, it happens to the best of them. Can't slay them all or it's not interesting for us. Now, do you like Caramel this season? Like, what are your opinions on what she's giving so far? Okay. Now, I don't know if you were watching Drag Race Brazil, but Caramel is giving me the vibes of other frontrunners like Organza and Helena, where the ego is getting the best of them. And it's starting to take over her drag because when we see subpar drag coming from Carrie, you're like, Ooh, maybe you shouldn't say the things you're saying because the ego is not great. But I do think she's an amazing dynamic drag artist. Yeah, for sure. And it's like a lot of the girls are clocking her tea. I'm like, oh, let's calm down now, Miss Caramel, because I love me some Caramel. Mm -hmm. Like she gives for me. I love her. Well, Cara has to show the judges why she is a star. And we're going to get a very interesting confessional from Tomorrow, who tells us that Cara thinking she would come in there like sh her shit don't stink. But it's crazy what a competition can do to somebody, especially when you know them personally. Yeah, they both left. I'm like, who's paying the rent at the, um, the place? Literally. <laughs> Literally. All right. Well, tomorrow we'll do what production wants, but also egg Kara on as she asks her how it felt fighting for her life and not for the win. And Kara says it was the worst feeling. She kept thinking, why was it her? Why did she have to do this? And dear sweet intergalactic Ginger Johnson will pipe up and say, because she absolutely bombed the challenge. Oh, here we go. The girls are going to laugh, but Kara is not having it. Kara will be like, that is your opinion, but Ginger coyly will say, and Ruse. The girls are going to continue laughing because this seems like innocent banter, right? No, the emotions are real. Yeah, this definitely felt odd, like, because this is like after the Banksy situation in, mm -hmm. in Untucked. So it seems like I don't know. Maybe the girls are just like a little fed up with Caramel. I'm like, wow, what is going on? Ginger thinks perhaps Kara has been spending too much time with Didi as she feels Kara is delusional about how the challenge went. Kara thinks she didn't do badly, and Ginger will say, You did, sweetheart. And the girls are going to snicker. Has Ginger's confidence boosted, or do you think she's just trying to get Kara back to planet Earth with the rest of them? I think it's a little bit of both because they Ginger did just get a badge. And mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just so unexpected because it's always, I don't think they like each other. Like, I don't know the relationship at this point after the show, but it seems like they really don't like each other. <laughs> well, it's, what's interesting, and we're going to talk about it a little later on, but I've always said on the show that the fashion queens just don't have the same respect for the camp queens that the camp queens have for everybody else who does drag. Because camp queens know that, like, it's all about taste and about style and everything, but there's something about fashion queens and body queens who just don't see camp drag at the same level as them, which is not fair. I've never thought about it that way. Um, I guess that is kind of like the dynamic between mm -hmm. them because they are two completely different queens, like right, two different styles. Both very good at what they do. Um, Ginger actually like she has good fashion. I did not like the outfit she had on at the beginning of the episode, but the the blue thing that we'll get to later when she came out the cow, I was like, okay. Okay, mm -hmm. she, she, gave, she gave. Yeah, unfortunately, that wasn't actually for um, a judged runway, but we'll get to it. Don't you worry. Oof. 
Michael will call out to Banksy and Vicky about their escape from the bottom two. And Banksy will say that she really does apologize for how untaught to him. She didn't want to get overwhelmed by all the badness they're in and didn't want to hurt anyone either. She hopes they can bury the hatchet. Now, Vicky says, of course, that she was just getting across her opinions of what she thought she could have done, and she might have warded it wrong. No, bitch, stop. That, that, that's um, revisionist history. No, no you, you were throwing the bitch under the bus. I definitely get that. I, I see that. Tara will not necessarily apologize for her actions, but tell Banksy she is happy she came back so quickly as it's not something she could have done, which is the same. I'm a bitter bitch. You cross me, give me time and space and figure out how to not do it again, and then maybe you'll get an apology from me. Likely not, but we'll we'll put it in the past. <laughs> it was so iconic, though. Like, the storm off that Banksy did, mm-hmm. it gave. And Banksy said her it's all from passion. Is always so iconic. Like, I just love her walk. Yeah. Banksy says it's all from passion as they're in a pressure cooker and sometimes the lid just pops off. Now, Kate, who loves comedy and pushing boundaries, will ask who is the next lamb to slaughter. Now, she didn't know what was going to happen in this episode, but the irony of that statement, quite iconic. Hashtag too soon. Mm, definitely too soon. <laughs> but at least Banksy got some fun merch out of it. And, you know, she definitely, she's very brandable. Like, I think she's the most brandable of the whole season. Drag summer camp is over. It's now or never to make an impression. And the impression that Didi is giving is she is talking to her doll like it's real. And then she tosses the babe aside. She's not crazy. She's just a drag queen. Drag summer camp is turning into a massacre. Happy Halloween, everybody. I definitely think Didi is crazy. Like I think so. She's also a child. She's She's a baby. The wig slipping off at the beginning of the season, I was like, yeah. She, and then happening again later, it's like, girl, just just, just glue it down. Just come on. All right, it's a new day. And what are coats for? Shoplifting and badges. Ginger has not only survived another week, but she has a badge and a shiny shimmer in her confessional. With three more badges given out, the girls without one are feeling it for sure. And that would be Kate and Dee Dee. Do you think it's too much to have multiple winners for challengers? That's just the name of the game of Drag Race UK. Um, the the five winners from last season. What's that last season? That's too much. Yeah, three people. That's okay. Like that's sensible. But five people when it gets up to that amount is pointless. I think but it was actually people, six. Yeah. It was six. I think that that group that group challenge was six because the other group was five. Yeah, that's too much. Yeah, it's too much. Well, what's on the docket for the day? Well, Dee Dee wants a ball, as if. And Vicky's like, I won the last one, so bring it on. And then tomorrow's like, she meant ball as in laugh. Did she, though? I don't think she did. I think she meant like a fashion ball. Yeah, she meant fashion. Tomorrow tells Vicky, who is known as Miss Rummy, sports a black cowboy hat also, that she needs to relax and chill. But Miss Rummy's face says otherwise. She is not relaxed. She's not chill. The Botox is still Botoxing. The the Botox is a Botoxing for this whole season, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It is. With no alarm or video, Rue is here back in black and an ascot this week. For this week's mini challenge, it's time to celebrate the art of throwing shade in the grand tradition of Paris's burning. The British Library is open officially because reading is what? Difficult and fundamental. Definitely difficult for them. I'm like, what? I will ones. say, we'll, we'll go through these, but I, compared to, I mean, uh, listen, after having uh, Down Under is like one of the last English-speaking ones we've gotten, this was, was like pure joy because it was actually decent. Down Under, Canada versus the world, 
Oof. Definitely, there's been some catastrophes. <laughs> come, come on the podcast, friends. If you're going to be on Drag Race, I'll help you out. I got some reads for you. All right, let's go through it. Banksy on Dee Delicious, Dee Disgusting, Dee Deplorable, and hopefully soon, Dee Deported. It worked, but also, where is she getting deported to? England, where she already is. It's like you can never go wrong with like a joke based off a name, so yeah. it's kind of like easy. Banksy on Vicky. Did you know, Rue, that Vicky comes from Cornwall? Also, the dish of the Cornwall is the Cornish pasty. And just like a Cornish pasty, she's filled with multiple different meats in one. She has a very flaky base, and she's got an incredibly soggy bottom. All right, that was good. I like that. was good. Easy. It, that was good. it had a long setup, but still it paid off. X. Exactly. Didi on Ginger. Glamour beast and drag. Track truck driver out of it. Drive yourself home. I mean, it's observational humor. It just wasn't very good. Yeah, it's meh, meh. Didi Ankara, the beauty, the grace, the busted lace. You describe yourself as a goddess, and I agree, a goddess that resides over the pits of hell. What's wrong with Hades? We love Hades <laughs> from Hercules. I've actually heard that joke from Tiffany Pollard before. Like, well, the whole pits of hell thing. So, I mean, let's be honest. What, who was born first, Tiffany Pollard or Didi Licious? Um, let's see who I just hate today. that we've actually had to have that, that math conversation to actually figure out if Didi was born before or after Flavor of Love debuted on television. That's terrifying Wait, to me. How old is Didi? She's 20. 20. Damn. She's she's one year younger than me, that bitch. Yeah, I know. All right, Michael and Didi, Crystal Versace. Oops. I don't know why everyone keeps confusing you both. She won. Easy, very easy. Smart. Michael and Kate. Kate botched. She is so ugly. How ugly is she? She had tinted windows on her incubator as a baby. Very intellectual, very eyebrow. That's a good one. Ginger and Didi. Didi-licious. Started the drag on the day she got her GCSE results. D-D. Very British, obviously, after her test results in school. Ginger and Banksy. Banksy with an IE, not a Y, which leaves me with a few questions. IE, why are you still here? A plus. Brilliant. Bravo. Love that one. <laughs> she definitely had that one ready and in her hotel room wrote it down and said, this is going to be the one that's going to win me the challenge. Didn't. Yeah, she was ready. Tomorrow on Michael. Mr. Michael, I look at you and I just think one word. Dentist. Rude. Oh. <laughs> Tomorrow on Kate. Kathy, you know what? You can't be good at everything, can we? I mean, you can't paint to mock. You fucking have no fashion sense, but you know what? You're going to forget the joke for a second and then say, you're fucking hilarious to look at. It was funnier because she fucked up. Because if she said it as it was, it wouldn't have been funny. It gave me a good like chuckle. Vicky on tomorrow. Your body is banging. Also, don't care how big your dick is. It's the size of your nose. I'm going to sit on your face. Vicky was on one. Her whole Listen, I I, I, we're going to talk about it. And I know she is an open marriage and everything, but girl. I was like, Mama, calm down. This is the Vicky Banksy. I'm glad we cleared the hatchet. Now, the only thing is, Shelly, fuck you or feed you. I think she was calling her a lamb, and that was kind of the joke, but she didn't say it. So it just seemed weird and awkward and very uncomfortable. And like HR was on the phone being like, uh, Do we have to remove this queen? I didn't like it. I didn't like it. 
Tyron Ginger. Rue, I didn't realize that it was family resemblance week already. I don't understand why there's a crew member standing here right now. You should be behind the camera, sir, not in front of it. Oh, Kara, at least you're pretty. It's painful because it's like, what do you do in that moment when your joke just doesn't pay off? It's like, ugh, it must suck. I'm going to give it a piece, free piece of advice, friends. If you are not good at reads, you can always just do the go down the line one word things. That That's easy. That's the easy thing to do. Tara, I'm Kate. Well, you love to beat a dead horse with your jokes all the time, and now I'm not talking about your makeup skills. Robin Williams, I love your work. And then Kate in confessional says, Kara has also reminded me of Robin Williams. Neither of them are telling jokes at the moment, which was so bad, but so <laughs> true and very funny. Yeah, Kate's confessional won the, the reading challenge. <laughs> it really did. All right, Kate on Tamara. You are not just a pretty face. You're an ugly face with lots of filler and Botox in it. Observational humor. Kate on Ginger. You are a queen of the theater, and I just want to know, what was Shakespeare really like? He actually almost wrote a play about Ginger's look last week, but unfortunately, much ado about a mentally unwell dinner lady in space didn't really scan. Very highbrow. Very highbrow. That, that, that joke had a lot in it. It did. And then Kate mm -hmm. on Naomi. And Miss Naomi Carter. I'm actually asking, does anyone actually miss Naomi Carter? Fucking brilliant. She couldn't have done it unless she was gone, which is the best part about it. The wordplay was amazing. Very well done. <laughs> well, I thought it was a great reading challenge. I had fun, but again, the bar was very, very low in recent history. The library's closed officially. The winner of the mini challenge is Catherine Butch. Do you agree? I think Ginger should have won. Um, Ginger or Michael. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. you know, Kate has been slept on, so I'm not too mad at her getting a win. I mini agree. All right, for this week's Maxi Challenge, they have to share the joy of the great British tradition of pantomime as they star in the live production of Panto. Oh, she better don't. The Rusical. Now, it's my dream to see a Panto. I almost had the opportunity to do it last year, but I didn't get a chance to. Are you familiar with Pantos? I am not. This is like my introduction to Pantos. Well, I love that. Well, we'll talk about the history of Pantos in a little bit. But first, Kate, as the winner of the mini-challenge, will get to choose her own role. Then the other queens can split the roles any way they see fit, which will be so much fun. Now, do you prefer the winner to have more power? Do you think Kate should have been able to give everyone else their roles? Or do you like the power dynamic that Rue set up here? Um, From the queen's pr perspective, it's definitely easier just to pick your own role and let them sure. fight. But it's more entertaining when, like, the one queen has to pick everybody's role. Like, that's what I expect. But mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of like, they're always going to fight over one part. I feel like, and this may be a UK thing, BBC thing. The BBC is not going to want a bad product. So they're going to make sure that what they have is actually good. Because let's be real. Let's remember, friends. Drag Race is a multimedia powerhouse. If you have a good rusical, chances are people are going to go to the Apple iTunes and to the Spotify and download the tracks, which makes more money for the show and the production. So they don't want shit. Especially during the girl groups, like girl groups and rusicals. Literally, literally. Well, Rue says, no Panto star is worth a dang if they can't sing and dance. So they will work with Michelle Voisage and Strictly Superstar Karen Hauer. Why don't we get Dancing with the Stars choreographers on our edition? Um, her choreography was wild. 
uh, which we will get to, but. <laughs> Like they That's had John it. Giovanni, they had Karen, they've had um others, but like why don't we get the people from our version of the television program? I love dancing with the stars. Can't dance, but I love stars. I mean, does it get better than Tajik Kong? I mean, I don't think so. Moving on from Todd. <laughs> All right. The girls will head to the couches as Kate will give us a rundown on Panto. It is a classic fairy tale with silly jokes and the audience gets to shout things and is full of innuendos. Mostly Pantos are staged during the holiday season and many times feature drag artists as well as celebrities. And it's a really camp time. Um, because it's such a low commitment, um, you will see in England like a lot of like celebrities of either like decent star status like do a stint in a um, show because it's usually usually for a month um and it's a good paycheck so like this year um allison hammond who was a guest judge last season is doing a panto and yeah good for her everyone's going to do it i want to go see one i don't want to see about... one now because it's only in the uk right there are American pantos, um but they just don't have the same style as the british ones like for british pantos like it is a part of their culture and a part of their festive seasons for us it's just a style of theater that we don't really celebrate as much wow so because i did do a little google google search on it it's more tailored towards like family entertainment yes right absolutely and again just like a movie like shrek where it's filled with innuendos and it's for the kids but also when the parents know the jokes they're laughing their asses off that's very much what the Pantos do. So they take a source material that is well known to everybody and then turn it on its head. Um, which is why when a character is called Dick, it's fun <laughs> for everybody. Let's find out about our musical. Our hero Dick and Steph BFF Pussy are off to seek fame and fortune in the big smoke. The dynamic duo have big ambitions of making it onto the main stage of RuPaul's best friend race UK. But uh-oh, an embittered evil former contestant, Butterface, is terrorizing the residents of Pantolan by stealing their charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Get it? Because the cat will be stolen. We love an innuendo. The, the P-U-S-S-Y. There it is. <laughs> As they listen, they tell us that the Rusical is very campy, very fun, and they might have a hit on their hands. So now it's time to decide. Kate is drawn to Twinkerbell as she is the narrator. She says she has been safe and wants to make an impression of the judges. This is the role with the most stage time. It is a high-risk, high-reward role, so we're going to see how she does with it. Now, I'm going to just say it. I, I'm a theater writer. I've done well. I know they only have like 11 minutes to do the show. The character of Twinkerbell needed more content. And I think if Kate did a better job realizing being on stage doesn't mean being the focus the entire time, she might have picked a different role. But I still think she did well, but we will get to it. Mm, so you think she gave herself too much? No, I think the role didn't actually have that much. She had the oh. beginning and then didn't do much of anything besides be on stage yeah that is i did clock that because she was like just the intro yeah if it was a well fully realized piece of theater then she would have had more monologues throughout the piece to help guide the audience but again this is only 11 minutes and you only can do so much of the show 
The other cast of characters, we have Dick, who is a gender-bending realness with a thigh-high boot and a gorgeously painted face. Dee Dee will say it sounds like tomorrow, so she'll be Dick. Hold, please. There's Dame Muffin Top, who is a rapping comedy role, and Dee Dee thinks of this role as it would be a good opportunity for her. She tells us that her friends call her the Panto Dame because how severe she paints her face. Unfortunately, we're going to learn that she does not understand why they actually call her a Panto Dame because she has no idea what a Panto Dame is. We're in the same boat, sisters. Okay, we will learn to get. <laughs> The milkmaid is a stereotypical doe-eyed innocent, but is a bit basic and overlooked by all, by all. And Vicky wants this part and says a little Cornish milkmaid would be cute. Butterface is the comedy villain with a rock singer kind of vibe. Banksy can't see herself in any other roles, so she wants to play Butterface. And even Vicky will say that Banksy was the first person she thought of for the villain role. She says she can imagine the nose coming out of the cape. And that's what we call shade. That definitely is shade. Do you think... um? Banksy kind of set herself up or like because there's no way like it was we'll get to it but it was just not it was so bad yeah. to be honest she says she's along for the ride as she is tempted to make the nose even bigger you go do that girl she says the villain role is the best as you just have to be hated and she knows exactly what that's like oh poor Banksy poor Banksy we have the role of Daisy, who is a strong singing role, who is a super smart diva in waiting, but has been cast as the back end of a cow in a non-speaking role. That is until now. And Kara wants the cow, but so does Ginger. So conflict resolution time. Kara believes she will sing the hell out of the song. And Ginger is like, well, all of my shows are singing as well. Okay, let's put a pin on that debate right now. If Ginger says that Kara is better for the cow, they're going to be left with Lisa Thought Lee and Dee of Stairs. They are the has-been pop stars of yesteryear, but they're big in panto. Now, friends, as the biggest self-proclaimed American Steps superfan, the fact that we are parroting my favorite boy-girl group of all time warmed my heart. And if y'all don't remember Steps, they were from season three. And if you don't remember them, that's a tragedy. Do you remember Steps? I do not remember Steps. <gasps> steps on Steps? No. They were they helped um do the girl group from season three. And I know most people don't remember the girl group but the first song. Yeah. BDE. And there's two of them. There's actually four of them that were there, but the group is made of five. One of oh. them was stuck in Dubai because of COVID. Oh. Yeah. We love steps. We love steps on this podcast so much. So very much. So it was really my, uh, like I realized who I was because of steps, even though I didn't really realize. Um, all I'm going to say is steps came out before you were even born because they were opening for OG Britney Spears. So they came out with the BDE. Probably with the, the uh, sort of. Yes. Yes. They did. They helped them. They guided them. Ginger will now tell the room that she does not want a part full of choreo, which is what these two roles are. So Vicky will chime in and say that if she had to pick two dancers, it would be Kara and Tamara. So Tamara, who either is nervous now for the title role or just really wants the this, this show to be a smash, says she will do one of the roles, but only if she does it with Kara. And we have to find out, will Kara agree? Well, Michael will happily take Dick. Jokes. But also she says they need to play at their strengths. Kara will tell us in confessional that she would be good. What would the musical be good if Ginger Johnson is clomping around as the pop star? No, that would be shit. 
So Kara says she can make any role fabulous. So if they think she can do it, she will take the duo part with tomorrow, which will leave the back of the cow for Ginger. And again, do you think it's better to give the best possible show or should the queens have fought for, for themselves and think of strategy? Kara should have been the cow. Like, if I was Kara, I would be so frustrated in this moment because as soon as tomorrow was like, okay, I would want to do it with Kara, which, which makes sense. Yeah. Ginger ended up winning, and that's it was a good part. Like, now I'm just going to throw this out here. All this could have been changed if Kate actually realized the part that she would have slayed was Ginger's part. Oh, Kate would have slayed too. Do you think Carl would have gave as much as Ginger? I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. The Panzo Dames are heading to the main stage to start recording their parts because unlike some other franchises, these bitches actually have to use their own vocals. Michelle is joined by their musical director, Dane Chaflin. We're going to start with Kate as Twinkerbell. And the angle to help her stand out is Kate has latched onto the rough around the edges lyric. She will bring it out into the vocal and well, She's not pitch perfect, but it's at least rough and it's characterized vocal. So I thought being bold was the smarter option than being vocally perfect for Kate. Yeah, it's like just do what you want or what you can because they're going to auto-tune you. Exactly. Now, Dee Dee is next. And well, she is not a singer nor a raptress. There is nothing in her vocals. Now, the song she has is a big mouthful and Dee Dee is lost. But Michelle tells her that she is the panto dame, so she has to be larger than life. Good luck at that. Mm, she tried next we have Banksy as Butterface and well she is not a singer either but she tried hard she did work it because she also played into the character like Dee Dee but Michelle tells her to give it her all and it will deliver Michelle that's not good advice that's not good advice Michelle she gives good advice when she wants to and I don't think she literally, wants to literally <laughs> we will have Kara and Tamara as their stairs counterpart parts listen Kara has the ability to sing Tamara has the ability to sell ice to an Eskimo Tamara were you living for the bass vocals that she was giving she can sell ice to an Eskimo she sold it very Luther Vandross yeah Michelle will laugh her way along to Tamara's vocals calling her a Ken doll and I was like the time of filming she hasn't even seen the Barbie movie yet there's a lot of things that are on the nose too, like especially with Barbie. Like, yeah, it's like we all knew. We all knew. Also, no more Barbie costumes after Halloween, please. We're done. We've, we're retiring it. No more. Oh, you know they're coming. They are. Michael and Vicky will pair up next as they have a duet that Michelle calls the most vocally challenging song in the pantomime. Will this be like a as long as your mind moment from Wicked? We're gonna find out. They're gonna try to work on harmony, and if you're ears bled i understand um find the pitch bitch they were not in sync i wonder if they should get like well that would take effort from production well like uh actual vocal director to that's what dane chaflin chaflin was i think he did give them vocal direction we just didn't see it on screen oh wow well. yeah 
Now, obviously, we did have a red herring edit here where it looks like both Michael and Vicky are going to bomb. But in reality, they do have the ability to slay these parts. And they were just like, we're going to fool you. You're never going to think they're going to do well. They're both smart queens, especially Vicky. They are. Ginger Johnson is up as Daisy the Cow. And Michelle tells her that this is a song where she needs the vocals. And what's interesting is they are setting Ginger up in this challenge as the lovable underdog who may not do well. But when she starts to sing, she's got a solid sound and conviction. Also, she's very funny and leans into the part quite well. So this version of this role worked. It was very frustrating because after she read Carl, I was like, okay, She's definitely not going to pull through, but she she was giving, even in the rehearsals. Yeah. No need to be like, okay, I'm not going to do good. She just gave it. Michelle tells her there's no pressure, but she can really deliver the shit out of this number. And Kara's a bit jealous that Ginger is doing great. And that's all we're going to get from the vocal coaching, because it's time to turn the set over to dance. We're going to get some choreography from Strictly Icon and Kate's future wife, question mark, I didn't understand why, Karen Howard. For those who may not watch Strictly Come Dancing, the British version of Dance with the Stars, some of Karen's partners on the program have included Will Young, the winner of the first season of Pop Idol, which then became American Idol, and Jade Adams, which marked one of the first female-female pairs on the show. Are you familiar with any of the names I just said? Absolutely not. That's okay, that's okay. I watch British telly for you, so you don't have to. She tells them she is so happy to be there as she has been peeing her leather trousers. Um, I didn't know those pants could move as well as they did because those were fucking tight. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, especially the moves that she was doing. Literally. Like, girl. Joining Karen is her assistant, Rose, and Rose will beat your ass. Uh, she looks like a fighter. I think she. I was a scared of her. Of Rose? Yeah, I, she she looks intimidating. And let's let's be real. We know that Rose did all really the moves and Karen was just telling her what to do. Because those pants didn't stretch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she didn't want to rip her pants. Um, no. Karen starts with Didi and the day is about to be ruined when Karen asks Didi what her favorite musical is and the child has the nerve to say she has never seen a musical. Girl, that is so offensive. Now, as Kate says, what self-respecting homosexual has never seen a musical? So, Zach, don't break my heart. What is your favorite musical? I heard musical is Funny Girl because I love you some Barbra Streisand. All right. Good um, answer. Not the answer I thought I was going to get, but I'm here for it. Like, classic. When she, when she says a musical, like, does she mean like a live theater production? Because there's still like musicals you can watch like on TV. Yeah. I, 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 either way, I don't think Dee Dee has the brain capacity to sit there and watch anything. <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair point. Dee Dee knows she's a bad gay. She hasn't seen a musical or panto in person. I'm like, are we about to witness season 12 and the Fosse Gate again? Do you remember that? Wait, who was involved in Fosse Gate? Um, it was the second group of girls when they did the... Um, the I, I, rem I know why people don't want to remember that, that season because of She Who Shall Not Be Named. Um, but it's that's when they did the um, the song with Rockham and the Scat and all that. And, I, and one of the girls was like, I don't know, Vossi, because the song was very much Chicago. Remember Jan? Yes, I, do, I do not recall. All right. I'd say go back and watch it, but I don't think season 12, the first two episodes. Are, well, first episode's great. Second episode, maybe not. All right, it's time to dance. And it's, well, a choice. It's clear that she has no experience in the world of theater as her dance moves are really giving bad pussy cat doll. 
And what's funny, Dee Dee can actually go see a Pussycat doll on the West End because Nicole Scherzinger is currently starring in Sunset Boulevard. So now is her time to go see a it's actual production. There it is. Karen wants her to use her buns more. And that will make much more sense when we get to the final product because I was like, what do you mean? You want her to shake her ass? I don't understand what you're trying to say, Karen. Next up are Lisa and Dee, played by Kara and Tamara. And we are shocked. But yeah, they fucking slayed. Do we really? Are we shocked? No. This was a highly choreographed routine. And Karen is like, can I make it harder? Because they have synergy. They had their tiff, but now that is in the past. They are team hashtag Kamara. Do you like team Kamara? Team Kamara. Yeah, it's very the team Tara. So, yeah, it's cute. It's, it's nice but to see the match actually do well now at this point in the season. Right? They finally figured out, like, we can be better together, not individually. Right, they better um, band up so they can make top three. Butterface is up, but really, let's just call Banksy Butterfeet because she can't move. Oh, it's so it's so upsetting. I'm about to cry just talking about it. <laughs> I think I could have done more with the choreo she was given, and I'm surely not a dancer. Banksy knows that this is her Chicago moment, but she is lacking the belief. Karen tells her to think about her face, and it was clear what was going on because Banksy is in doom. This was her doom and gloom episode. And like, it's funny that they could see that she was nervous with all the stuff she had to put on her face. I'm like, dang, was it that nerve-wracking? That word bad. Now, Ginger arrives to dance as Daisy. And well, it's a very 11 o'clock number, very much a park and bark. And not taking anything away from her, but this was going to be a very easy role to excel at with just an ounce of theater training. Because if you know how to make that moment yours, anyone could have done it. Which is why I think Kate fucking picked the wrong part for herself. Um, I kind of think maybe Kate should have still taken it just a little bit, even with this part. But we'll there's some factors that plays into that. Yeah. Ginger knows she has to smash this or she will have egg on her face or milk since she's playing a bloody cow. Which sorry. she did impeccably. <laughs> she did. We now have Vicky and Michael as Dick and the Milkman, and Karen wants to try to move, a move called, quote, through the legs. So we will watch Karen on stage to help demonstrate what Vicky is about to do. She is all up in Michael's between me down there, and as Michael has to hold herself and Karen, who is a much more petite person than sweet, dear Vicky, this was going to turn out fabulous, right? No, no. Michael's going to drop Karen as she is essentially just like sits on her face. So now we're going to watch Vicky attempt this move with Michael. And really, this was going to be a disaster. And, and Vicky is full face and crotch of Michael. Now, again, I know that she is an open marriage. But if Rory was watching, I don't think he was too keen to see this happen. Hopefully they didn't watch it together. Because, girl, that's embarrassing. Not only do you have ass in your face, but you're struggling. Which I would have been, too. Because what is that yeah. move? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Vicky is starting to freak out. She knows that this is her week, so she can't let anything trip her up. Now it's time for some bold moves as Kate as Twinkerbell is about to be lifted in the air by Tamara and Kara. Now, I'm not saying Kate is heavy or hashtag Kamara are not strong, but this could have been a nightmare for all three bitches in heels. And I put a pin on that because we're going to find out maybe only one of them was wearing heels. 
You got to save them knees. They're like, we're not going to be like this, Naomi. No, no interest. They're going to nail this move on the first try. And you know what? Theater magic. Kate's self-esteem is doing wonders. And when Karen tells her she has great technique, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Kate's week. We're going to have a win for Kate. We'll find out later. <laughs> There's much more rehearsal to go, but that is it for now. It's the day of the show, y'all. And the Queen's are excited that Vicky has told us that the choreo has changed overnight. Is this like a down under three situation where they completely eliminated Queen Kong's moves from the finale number? I hope they, when they do that, as long as they cut them a check, I'd be like, okay, you change whatever you want. But the move just would not have looked good. Like, that's Listen. that's crazy. Because I've done choreo like in different environments and stuff. I've never seen anything where you swivel between someone's leg. <laughs> You, you do it on Dancing with the Stars It's because you have weeks and weeks to practice it. And when you finally get to implement it on week seven, when you're still there, then you can do it. Not in less than 24 hours. That makes sense. You just kind of put that Dancing in the Stars type vibe to yeah. it. Okay, that makes sense. Vicky knows she can't move around like she used to. All she knows is while she loves Michael, she doesn't want to land in Michael's crotch. How about mine? You want to land in my crotch? Anyway. The queens are getting into face as Michael asks if anyone is a fan of Panto. And we have some fans in the room, shockingly. Michael says it's a very British tradition. As Ginger says, for a lot of kids, it's their first time being introduced to drag. The Panto dame had the best costumes, the best jokes, and as Kate says, she got to flirt with all the dads. Ginger says Panto was a huge part of her growing up. She would go with her grandma every year, and she always wanted to be a pantomime dame. She shares that there in the UK until a few years ago, there wasn't drag story hour. Panto dame is the most iconic introduction to drag. So the conversation is going to turn to the discussion of drag story time. And Banksy does a little bit in Manchester, saying it's a lovely and eye-opening experience. She shares that drag story time provides children with a bright, crazy look at color and freedom. Now, obviously, here in America... Our perspective on drag story time is very different than it is in England, obviously. We don't have pantomime, so there's not a second introduction to it. For us, it's drag story time, and we all know how that's going in conservative America. Right, not good at all in the not States. So Dee will ask if there is backlash, as there has been a lot of drama surrounding the idea that drag shouldn't be around children. Ginger says that the same old repackaging bullshit from the 70s and 80s that queer people are dangerous to children. She says it's not really anything about drag story time. It's just to beat down on queer people. It's the same in any country because we have the same issues here. I definitely agree. It's like you can only allow children to see certain avenues of drag because you have people like Tyler Perry, you have Eddie Murphy. Right. Who are essentially doing drag, and I was watching that as a kid, but like I was never allowed difference? to watch drag race, really. And what's the like, big difference between the two? There's exactly, there's no difference. The straight men. Oh, that that context with the two is like, as long as it's not actually trying to push an agenda, which it's like if a child is having fun being entertained by a story, then that's up to the child and the parent. So I mean, it is a very crazy issue. Like, there's a lot of legislation being passed about it. Exactly, and it's and what's crazy to me, and we'll, we'll continue talking about it. But like, you have movies like with referencing Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire. You go back to the golden age of movies, a movie like Some Like It Hot. These are movies that the people who are legislating watched. 
but they had no problem with that because they were straight men in these roles and it was all for comedy because it wasn't a gay person but there is no inherent difference it's still a man in drag and that's why this is a really like smart musical especially for right now like because mm-hmm. i never heard this concept i'm not even gonna <laughs> not even gonna lie because it's just it's something different like it was very enjoyable Ginger says it's confusing to her that some people will accept the idea of pantomime dame, but not the idea of drag story time. She says they will accept drag if it's something that's been going on for a long time, but it's not okay for queer people to go out and do their own impactful thing. Ginger believes that drag story time serves an important function of teaching kids about diversity. She loves doing drag story time as children have a lot of questions and they deserve answers to those questions. She didn't have that when she was a child. She says that if they can educate this generation, they won't have to deal with the same kind of shit they have had to deal with when they were growing up, which is the tea. It really is. Ginger says that she didn't know gay people existed until she could stay up late and watch things on TV that she wasn't allowed to watch. She says it fostered a lot of trauma in her when you realize that the things that you were, the thing you were born as is something that they kept as a secret. For me, the first time that I distinctly remember anything about a gay person when I was uh, stage during the show Hairspray on Broadway and Harvey Firestein came out and said all this for an overweight homosexual. It didn't dawn on me at the age of 16 that I was seeing drag played by a gay person. For me, it was just theater. And my parents didn't bat an eye, it didn't bother them. This allowed me to go on my own journey and as difficult as my own personal journey was with its own ups and downs, in the long run, moments like that really did help me it's like a glimmer of hope like in a way because when you feel interested in something i feel like that's for a reason like automatically because just like you said i didn't know i was watching drag really like even when i started watching drag race i didn't know why i was watching because i was so young i was just entertained exactly now ginger says she didn't have any queer people that were an inspiration when she was younger as most of them were hidden and they weren't in her school or her local library she's going to get emotional confession revealing that so many things that she struggles with as an adult came from that feeling that her life is something that she has to be secret of so if she can do anything to stop other people from being harmed in that way she will do it and that's what our community most continue to do Keep talking out loud, sharing the experience, whether on an international television show or locally on the ground, keep the discussion happening. And of course, Kate's going to ruin the moment as she jokes that she personally hates children, so she'll be fighting for them a lot on the sidelines. I think kids would love her. Like, she's a clown. I'll hire her for a birthday party. She's fun. Like, she's a fun time. And did we um, did we not get any, like, sad story time like between the queens or was it more so like because i think it was just like them talking about the um the pantos and what that means like for this was it was it so that's what's interesting up until this point we thought kate was going to do well and she might be a winner of the week but then we had this turn where the conversation was all ginger so i'm wondering once she became the lead narrator of this bit they were like wait the arc of this episode ginger's the best of the night and that's what's interesting about drag race as a television program the outcome may not actually be the actual right outcome it's based on what the story of the episode needs right it's a constant competition even when you're not 
doing doing a challenge. And that's like I know we've had episodes and seasons where people will tease something about um let, let's say Drag Race España, um Dorvima and Sagittaria. Oh my god, we had a tiff because of a boy and they go through the entire season never sharing it. But they got to the end because they were hoping production would have them share it. They didn't. So that's the thing. Friends who go on the show in the future, tease, but don't give everything away too soon because you could be like Banksy, give away your entire backstory and you're a lamb to slaughter. They had nothing left for her. They had nothing left for her. All right, time to get their panto on. Keep the history of panto going strong. Now, I don't want to make mention of conspiracies, but I will make mention of a clothing rack that this camera showed us with the names and the characters and the costumes. Does this mean officially that production built them all of their looks for this challenge, which then begs the question in 24 hours, how do they get all these costumes ready? Are certain roles predetermined or do they have stock options of costumes available that they will then mend for the specific queen? One day we're going to get the answer on this, but clearly production gave them all these costumes because the costumes are great. But I just got to know, like, the costume that they had for Butterface, was that going to be universal for everybody? Because I don't think what Banksy wore is going to be the same fit for Ginger. (laughs) There has to be a stock. There has to be, because what if, like, the queens decide they want to change roles, like, after they've already picked again? Right, right. Or they're told, ha ha, no, you can't. I don't know. I've love to know but listen i will say whenever production gives them the costumes the show does look a lot better right because they look great like they look amazing they looked amazing well it is show time we are on the main stage where mother is mothering as rue is wearing her comfort comfy theater outfit that black tinsel number with those stunning like in that hair like she looked like she was a good time gal going out for a night at the theater Rue looks good in black. Like, she really does. That's it's one of my favorite color. Rue colors. Our panel this week includes Michelle Visage, who will do a terrible bit with Rue, but it will make sense when we see the Rusical. We have Graham Norton, who is wearing like a marbleized pastel suit, which was very not Graham Norton, but uh, his fashion this season has been very interesting. And then we have Kush Jumbo. Are you familiar with her work? No. She's an actress. She's been on TV. Um, she's done a lot of theater. I don't know why they had Kush Jumbo for this episode. I don't even know why Kush Jumbo is relevant, but good for her. She was fun. So they, um, you said she's done a panto before, right? I don't know if Kush Jumbo's done panto, but she's been around panto. She's, she's British. She knows it. She's seen it. She's done theater though. I think because she played think Lady Macbeth. Who's, like, who's well versed in. Yeah. I know, I know she's definitely done Shakespeare on Broadway because she's been on Broadway recently. We're going to talk about our show and then get into the runway. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Pantoshi, better don't the Rusical. Now, before we even go through it, I'm just going to come out very strongly on this one. This was the best Rusical on Drag Race. I'm sorry, but this was perfection. This is what the challenge should be about. It's about us celebrating everything that we love. And this was nothing but a smile-inducing 11-minute romp. Because, like, the room was really in it, the judges was really in it, and I guess that's, like, the, um, that, like, a, a aspect of a Pantos that the audience yes. is, because yes. that was really fun. I really like that. Yes, it is. Now, we have a big budget fun set, and the judges holding up glow objects, very cute. 
We begin with Kate Butch giving us a face that looks like an NYC queen we don't talk about on this podcast, but if you know, you know. From the start, she looks great and she sold the shit out of this part. I was generally impressed. I will say she sounded a bit like Lawrence Chaney and that really captured the comedy of the character, but no one else is Lawrence Chaney but Lawrence Chaney. I don't... This is what I believe is going on with Kate because there's been moments where the judges could have given her like way more because I've only I've only seen her in one bad outfit in my opinion. She's really <gasps> funny. Oh my yeah, god, you not listen to me because I keep, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Oh my god, it's very controversial, but I think that she's all around like she's very well rounded. She doesn't even give well herself rounded. enough credit. She's vocally sounded great in the opening number. Now, in this opening number, she is joined by Kara, Tamara, Vicky, and Didi in the dance. And well, all but one did great in the choreo. I can tell you who, but I think you can guess. Wait, who? Didi! <laughs> they cut away from her so many times because she missed dance moves. And that was that's gonna come back to haunt her. It really will. Now, for those unfamiliar with Panto, it does incorporate audience participation and the way that the judges got into it so hard, like it was amazing. The way Kush Jumbo screaming that Dick was behind Twinkerbell, it was just brilliant. She came for a good time and wanted to stay for a very, very long time. It was just like it was very engaging. And Banksy, the um, do you think her face being covered like for that amount of time like played a part in? Because now you can give facials when you're. On oh, we'll stage. get to it. Oh, we'll get to it. Don't you worry. Now Michael arrives as Dick with his famous pussy, and well, this is when we had some Drag Race references, but they weren't pigeonholed as some other scripts do across the multiverse. They were very well slid in to the script with ease, like. Dick. See what I did there? Slid in. Dick. <laughs> it's okay, friends. It's fine. Dad jokes here every day of the week. Now, the gag that they played Rule Britannia when Dick mentions a Rue Peter badge, that was my favorite little reference to Drag Race. That's all I need. I don't need, like, get those nuts away from my face. I don't need the Trees Royale references every single moment. But having the Rule Britannia with the ding and everything, very, very well placed. Nice touch. It was a really nice touch. The evil queen who's lurking in the shadows, snatching everyone's charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent, and then taking the cat. That's the kind of writing I love. Very, very smart. Very simple. When it comes to great acting choices, Twinkerbell telling the audience to shout if they see a shady bitch, but whispering the word shady and not bitch. So strong. So funny. And that is how you be a good comedic performer. Like she just has it. Like she she understands. Yeah, she was very comfortable in this own environment. She was. Now here comes the shady bitch. And well, Banksy is a fucking giant, and that voguing. I don't know if she came up with that or Karen told her to do it, but that was not the right way to make an entrance. I feel like someone told her to do that because <laughs> yeah, that was not pretty. And then Michael in that wig. If that strand of hair didn't move away from her face, I was going to jump through that screen and snatch that wig off her head. Did you notice that one single strand just right in front of her eye? No, I did not notice. Was it like that the whole time? The entire time. It bothered me so much. Now, I love physical comedy. I love slapstick comedy. So when Twinkerbell and Dick run off to find the evil queen, that's the things that bring me joy. It was very well executed doing that, like crazy fast walking, but really walking slow. It was really, really well done. 
Our next scene introduces Dee Dee as Muffin Top. And well, she wanted to flirt with the daddies, but this role was not meant for her. I will say I don't think there was a role better suited for her. Maybe the witch, but I don't think Banksy could have played this role. So it was going to be a difficult night for the two of them because they were just not right for this specific rusical. Right. And um, I think Dee Dee tried her best. At least she did what she could. Um, I guess just having fun, like that kind of saved her ass a little bit in the grand scheme of things because mm -hmm. it was like, it wasn't bad because it was hard to watch. It was just, you know, okay. The problem with Dee Dee was she didn't quite grasp the comedy of the role. I know this is a lot to ask, but in theater, it's all about text analysis. There was more innuendos than dicks inside a piggy bottom, and Dee Dee did not know how to bring any of them out for laughs. And when she did, it was monotonous. And I will say that, like, the song was hard compared to the rest of the score, but she just didn't do anything with it. At least she got one split in. She did. And in the world of Panto, the Panto Dame should have been the star, and she was not the star of this sketch. Yeah, I, I'd give her, like, I'd give her a 5 out of 10. Like, I, I wouldn't say she was the weakest, but... <clears throat> we are now introduced to the Milkmaid, played by Vicky, and that accent was corny. Get it? Because it was over-the-top Cornish. I'm here all night. Joining the Milkmaid is Daisy the Cow. And you cannot tell me that Ginger was stuck in that thing the entire time. Like, that is commitment for sure. Ginger's commitment is what, like, makes her... Oh, make, makes me okay with her winning this challenge. And Vicky was really good, too. Like, upon impact, she was making me laugh. Like, the walkout was just yeah. so stupid and ridiculous. I think Vicky played the role fine. I know the ingenue part is can be very difficult, but she was strongest with Michael, which tells you a lot. The duet between the milkmaid and Dick was very, very sweet, and they did sound harmonious. Uh, the song was really funny, and you can tell that their training in with whatever theater training they have was really what made this work. They had a good dynamic. We're back to the comedy run, and it will be just for a little bit, because we are going to meet the high energy of Lisa Thoughtly and Dee from Stairs. Didn't you break up years ago? Oh, no, we didn't. Oh, yes, we did. The joke that Rue and Michelle did. But listen, when it comes to steps, they did break up, but they're back, and I will do anything to see them in concert. Like, all I'm asking you, steps, one performance in New York City. I will be there front row. I will even dance along. Please, one performance where someone, if, if they perform in the UK, fly me out there. I got to go see them. You can be, like, the sixth member. Sure, I can do the handography. And also, for those who know steps, when they said the word tragedy and did this thing, that's one of the steps uh, choreo moves. It's probably their most infamous one. So, little references for those who know. Do you think Kara and Tamara lived up to the step legacy? I think Kara and Tamara did a fantastic job. I will say that I wish the choreo was a bit more handography to lean in the steps, but they did really well and they did stand out. But it was safe for them to stand out in this type of role. I feel like if their vocals were a little bit better, I think it would have brought it together more. I think, unfortunately, also, they were a bit part and not a plot moving device. So they, if you took their characters out of this show, the story would still be the same. Yeah, because um, 
that's what I was trying to get at. I was like, okay, like, what are they? Because I was keeping up with all the other characters, but yeah, those two. It was literally, hey, we need to show um, an eight-character rusical. What can you do? And the writers of this said, well, we have two more people we need to write in. Here's a song. There we go. Also, they were wearing sneakers. Just saying. They were sneakers. They're like, we are not, we are not breaking ass on this episode. <laughs> Now, the sound of pussy is heard, and time for the group huddle run, which was brilliant. They were all so fucking good at the choreo. Ginger pops out of the butt of the cow and has her moment. Ginger did nail the musical theater references. Her song was very much like the Divas Lament from Spam a lot. She vocally sounded great. She acted the shit out of the track. This was perfectly cast. I was impressed for sure. Now, could Kara have done this role? Yes. Would it have been a very different feeling? Yes. Would it still have been a win if she played that role? Yes, the role was a winning role, just like Candy Muse and Joan the Rusical. Whoever played that role was going to uh, win. Just Ginger with being a cow and having the legs shake that was taking me out. Like, I don't know why that was just, and even like the little dancing because when she actually came out, I was like, okay, this, this bitch is pacing herself correctly. Like, Rose seemed like she was actually enjoying Ginger, yeah. Now, she vocally sounded great. She acted the shit out of the track. And then after Daisy's solo, we will have Muffin Top tell her to stop milking her part and get her head back in her ass. That was the spotlight ceiling line. And because she has no experience in panto or theater, Didi completely botched it. Such a shame. Like, that should have been the biggest laugh line of the entire thing. And it was dead air? Dead air. She's behind you. It's the witch and Banksy. She did fine. It wasn't the worst, but when we saw that cap strapped in, in bondage gear get funnier laughs and bigger moment than the actual queen playing the witch, you knew you were in trouble. At least she has like another great look in her, um, you know, her portfolio because she looked amazing. I was like, okay, Banksy, this look is impeccable. It's just her. I don't know why, like the way she was, moving around the stage just seemed very now i don't know like she had, didn't want to be there you had mentioned it earlier about ginger's look and banksy's look here they're not theirs they were from production they were absolutely 100 from someone else's wardrobe i keep forgetting that yeah. but even with um her runway like still we'll look at there oh we will talk about it now, Butterface, we learned, was the first queen eliminated on season 69. Low-hanging joke. Very easy. One I would have written, so well done. Good joke. Banks's makeup was brilliant. Busted for sure. Now, I don't know what the goal was with this role, but like Dee Dee, it was a difficult role. I think vocally Banksy was good, but the acting was not matching at all. The acting wasn't matching. Just the, the whole energy was, it was off. When you have an end of a show role, you have the ability to make a lasting impression. We have seen queens in a bit finale part win the entire musical before. But Banksy just did not have the ability to do it. Okay, now this is my question. Do you believe that Banksy was a production favorite before this episode and like something happened? Besides her like giving her a whole story out. It's interesting because I've seen a lot of people be like, fan favorite gone, fan favorite gone. I might be in the minority here because I was not a Banksy fan because there were other queens that I was much more excited for. So I'm not quite sure if the fandom enjoyed her more than the production. 
But in a way, like I, I personally felt that Banksy was a filler queen compared to the rest of the cast. Wow, because they just they showed her a lot. I think that's what it was like. And that's what I'm saying. What I said earlier is she gave you everything about her life in the first three episodes, and then in the disaster class episode, you found out everything. There was no more backstory for her. And. Shit, it ends badly. It ends very badly. It does. Like, were it really you surprised does. or no? Oh I wow, Michael, drag her. Right. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have a happy ending. They're gonna kill Butterface. The song that they're gonna sing for the finale is very much like "We Go Together" from Greece, the ensemble Slade. Whoever wrote this musical should get a raise. This was brilliant. Thank you, Drag Race, for the joy and happiness. Thank you for teaching the world about pantomime. Thank you for leaning into your culture and history and slang. And this is why Drag Race is continually one of the most impactful shows in the queer community around the globe. Period. And that's on period. They did great. Like, tens across the board. Tens across the board. Let's talk about the runway. Let's see if there's any tens here. Category is Mirror Mirror. In honor of the runway, we are going to play Reflection or Rejection. Okay, okay. Caramel, look by Bang London, hair by Kiki Snatch. Sex sells. Kara's selling it. But let's be honest, it's very simple, and she is 100% relying on the body. I think the tinsel hair is okay. It's a bit messy, but I think that's overall the theme of this look. Essentially, it's a bit of reflective vinyl hooked together by chain. There's nothing new or groundbreaking. She looks great. She looks safe. And also, if this was made for Beyonce and she rejected it, I understand why. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to give it a rejection, which is the first for Kara um, this season. I, used to like, I would agree. It's not so much of it being a bikini, but the way it just fitted on her. Like, I believe that she could have because if, if it was made for Beyonce and she said no, that's kind of sickening. But I don't know. I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. I agree. It's rejection for me. Rejection. Audience, 53% reflection, 47% rejection. Delicious. Look by Christopher Hardcastle. Hair by Jane Gage. I will give her credit for not going full reflective outfit. It's original in that sense. But is it enough for this category? I think I wanted a bit more. The collar being made of mirrors was really evocative, well executed. Have we seen it before, Evie Yes, we have seen it before. The silhouette is strong. I like the tattered effect of the white and black and red, but I wanted it to be even messier and grungier. Like, if she was burned, like, give us the burn. It's giving... I have a Halloween gig. I need to be spoopy. What look can I destroy in a day and make it work? Um, also, white eyes do not make a spooky look. It's good. It's just not my favorite. Um, I appreciate that it actually had mirrors in it because it seems like a lot of these was not really mirror, mirror. It was more like iridescent reflection. Like, I don't know. It was the fact that she actually had like mirrors and she said she wasn't looking pretty. Or something like that, but she was looking gorgeous. I'm like, girl, she what was gorgeous, so stunning. The gown, the makeup, and um, did she say it was influenced by Queen of Hearts? I believe so. Yeah, I'll give it a, a reflection. Michelle says they had a little bit of a plateau with Dave Muffin Top. She says to get to the next step, she has to have a point of view, and she felt that was missing a bit. She says in the runway, the collar is stunning, the hair is beautiful, and makeup is stunning. Graham says the Dane character was missing some of that earthiness and felt like some of the humor was missing in the song. Kush says she had great energy, but says the whole character kind of wore her rather than her wearing it. Ruth says she was impressed with everyone, and this was her first panto, as she had never seen one. 
She says they were so fantastic, so they are at the point where they are splitting hairs. She asks Didi if she has ever done a pantser before, and Didi says that no, she has not, and she has never seen one in her entire life. She prepared for it by having a bunch of fun with it, but says she lost the panto dameness. She admits she chose the role and says the role most seemed like her with the buns and she likes daddies. All right, Dee Dee. I mean, I'll give me, I'll take a night with you. Fine. Um, I'll give this look a reflection. Like she looks great in the the nails. Even the nails were sexy. That that helped her out too. Audience. 73% reflection, 27% rejection. Vicky Vivacious, look by James McIver, costumes, hair by Webster Wiggs. I think it's fun and different, but I know far too many queens who have used that iridescent broken mirror fabric. The thing that sets this apart is that giant skirt element. Why is it outrageous? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Is it giving me biker? Not at all. I think it's a cool look. I just wish it fit on her body a bit more. <laughs> So I was also confused. I'm like, okay, I love the look, but what is the skirt like? Is she sitting on like, I, I thought I was supposed to give like an illusion, <laughs> but the look itself, I'll give it a, a reflection. But yeah, what Graham is the skirt? Says, I don't know. I really don't know. And hopefully she'll tell us one day, but Graham says she was his favorite because her character was one note, the sexy dumb one. And she found so many things to do with it. He says her runway is so beautifully made and it loves the light. Michelle says the ballad duet she had with Dick was so fun. She said it ended up being everything that she hoped it would be. Kush says she milked her dry. She says the amazing thing about Panto is it is so ridiculous. She says you have to believe in these people somewhat and says she was so fantastic because she was really invested in who she was. Rue says she was wonderful in the Panto and was most happy that the world is going to get to see what a Panto is. She says she is going to get a panto tattoo. I was like, Rue, good for you. Rue asks how old she was when she first saw her first panto, and Vicky says 10 or 11, and she was lucky enough to see Danny LaRue and Mother Goose in Plymouth. She says it was her first not a drag, and that is why she loves that era of drag. For those who don't know who Danny LaRue is, they were a drag artist known for their drag and impersonations and was known as the Grand Dame of drag. Oh, period. The Grand Dame. Okay. Yep. I will give this look a reflection. A reflection. I'll give it a reflection. Audience, 79% reflection, 21% rejection. Banksy, look by Lloyd James, glasses by Selfhood. Again, this is a material every queen has utilized before. Is it fashion? Yes. She's giving you modern futuristic chic. I love the shapes that the garments create. The sunnies are cool. I don't care for the makeup or the hair. I need that hair to be structured and bigger. And if you do a white face, the neck has to be white as well. I will say the colors in the eyes are strong as they are trying to capture the colors in the reflective material. The material is not good to work with if you don't steam the hell out of it. And Pangina Heels would be reading her the house down pleaser boots. <laughs> do you give it a rejection? Well, I'm giving a reflection, a soft one, though. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's like, it's not mirror, mirror. But I do appreciate how, like, all her looks, they somehow give body, but just based off how they're structured. So I thought this was, Absolutely. like, really cool. But, yeah, it needs bigger hair. Uh, I wasn't too crazy about the, the white face, but like, that was a part of the, um, I keep trying to think about who she said inspired her for this look. But I'll, I'll give I it a reflection. 
Michelle says she thinks she got nervous. She says in rehearsal she had more. She says nobody sucked as this was one of the best rusicals they have ever seen. She knew she could do more. Graham says he enjoyed her butterface and felt it was a strong. It was in the song that she suddenly lacked self confidence. He says she could have let go of her fear and gone for it, saying it could have been a scene stealing moment. Push says there was a little more evil that wanted to come out that couldn't come out. She says it's hard when they give you a nose like that. She says she has to be playing bigger than the nose in order to get to the back of the auditorium. Rue says she loves this holographic outfit, saying it's really fun and only she can wear it as she is that tall. Rue says she could see the nervousness too in the performance, but wanted to really ooze that sexy evil. Banksy will share that she took her that her nan took her to Pantos a lot, and when she was three, every single year she went to see one until her parents stopped when they were like, "Okay, you're gay enough now." Uh, happens to the best of us. I will give it a reflection. Reflection. Audience really liked it. 87% reflection, 13% rejection. Tomorrow Thomas. Hair by wigs by sire, nails by house of cruelty, freed claws. This is so basic and generic. A hot queen giving you body and body armor. Been there, done that. I think the hair is great. The armor bits are mediocre. The shoes work for a robotic element, but I fear like she would have toppled over if she took one bad step. I'm glad of her placement because if this look got praise, I knew it would have been favoritism. I hated it. Oof. Um, yeah, we've seen it before, but I don't think it was the most offensive thing on the runway. It was it was a safe look. Like I don't think it was it was bad, but so these are not mirrors though. Like is yeah, or is it just me? That's I'm convinced that they were told reflection as opposed to mirror mirror. But mm. hey, that, the show's done that to that, the queens before many times. Because maybe the brief um, change or something. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to give this a rejection. Uh, hmm. You can disagree with me. It's okay to do that. I just wish that she actually used mirrors, but I'll give it a soft reflection. Audience agrees with you. 70% reflection, 30% rejection. Kate Butch. Look by Lizzie Biscuits, hair by style by vodka. Take the jacket off and you have her best look of the competition and my personal favorite of the night. For me, this was incredible. I love the story. I love the silhouette. The hair is fantastic. This is the best mug she served all season. The melted face mask is remarkable. I wanted her to go. I want her to give it to me so I can go to the laundromat wearing it. For me, this is a brilliant look from Kate, and this is what I want more of moving forward from her. For me, Catherine Butch was robbed this week. I agree. I feel like people think this is crazy, but she gives fashion like in her own like comedic way where she doesn't take herself too seriously because she doesn't think she looks that good. But I'm like, bitch, you come through every week, almost every week. I think you... Okay, here's what I'm going to say, because I think what you said is kind of what I've been saying, but I've not been allowing her to get the praise. I think she is serving fashion on the body. Her makeup is her problem. Mm. Because, again, that should have been a fashion look with the um, Shania Twain, but when you had the face attached to it, you're like, oh, no, 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 this does not work. Right, so hopefully she does something different because I want her to get a win. I want her to get that. This badge. makeup was the best. Whatever she did here, this was perfect. The shapes and colors, everything. Push says she was the buttons in the scenario, the narrator. She says she thought she was really funny and loved her wand work. 
Graham says she set the whole tone for the evening, saying they were in such safe hands. He says he might have ditched the cape earlier, like backstage. Michelle says her opening number was fantastic and says she delivered it really well. She says the runway is cute and sees her attempting to push her makeup in a different direction. Ruth says that in the looks department, she loves that she is challenging herself in art. She says she was wonderful in the panto. Why did she choose the narrator? Well, Kate says she wanted the challenge of being on stage the whole time. And when you're not acting, you are shoplifting. She's witty. I'll give this a reflection. Uh, reflection. Without the jacket. Audience, I don't know what your problem is. 65% reflection, 35% rejection. Oh, so they liked it a lot. Oh, no, no, no. It should have been 100%, but they didn't. They didn't like it. They shouldn't have been higher. It's fine. Whatever. Ginger Johnson. So was this your top look of the week? It was for me personally. Oh, wow. Ginger Johnson. Look by Ginger. Hair by Venus Envy. Welcome to the world of gaslighting. Now, I know that it's hard for Rue to give up so much time to watch all the franchises of Drag Race, but Rue, I do it so you don't have to. This is silly. It's not memorable or iconic or something the fandom will care about in a fucking week. It's the generic bar look elevated because Ginger is not a runway queen. The fact that she is not wearing nails and is getting praise for an oopsie moment is killing me. The hair, though, solid. For me, she was the second best in the challenge, the bottom of the runway, and somehow I'm told I have to agree with her win. No, no, no. This is gaslighting to the highest, highest, highest degree. So let me get this right. The reveal that she was supposed to do was what she ended up doing, like when she gave the thumbs up towards the um it wasn't was supposed the... to be a reveal at all. She was supposed to have her hands out. We have seen queens wear a look with these big giant shoulder pieces before, and they have their hands out. She just didn't have nails on, so she hid them. Oh so this is my thing. It didn't give mirrors whatsoever, and I feel like I'm going crazy. It did not. <laughs> it didn't. She looked good, but they just did give mirrors. It was. Yeah. I don't want to give it a rejection because, like, I think this is the one of her best looks. But Which it's... is fair. I'm going to give it a rejection because it's not mirrors. Michelle says as Daisy, the back end of the cow was a slam dunk. She says she delivered it beautifully and thought tonight was just wonderful for her. She'll ask her why she doesn't have any arms. Ginger says she does and hope to reveal them on the runway, but she lost a couple of nails on the way up the steps and thought it would be a terrible reveal. Graham says there wasn't that much on the page and she let them know who the character was immediately. He says the look is hilarious, saying it looks like formal night at the asylum. He thanks her for giving him one of his favorite runways ever. Graham, if we ever meet, I'm going to ask you why. Kush says it was so hard to be stuck in an animal for that long, and then she came out and gave them Mama Rose and thought she nailed it. Of the look, she says it's funny how sometimes malfunctions can give you something a little extra. She says maybe she should never have arms. And Rose says she was fantastic in the small part with huge impact. She says her look is kind of gorgeous and kind of wackadoodle. What was her inspiration for the dress? Well, she says sometimes you have to look like a gold iridescent earthworm. Rue will say it's an outfit that will go down in the history books of the show. It no, it won't. It's not. It's rejection. It's terrible. I feel like Ruth says that a lot. And yeah, she does. Doesn't always happen. <laughs> Audience sixty eight percent reflection, thirty two percent rejection. I don't and Mike Moruli, look by Synergy. I think Michael does great drag on the runway. She pushes boundaries. This is a solid look, but at the same time, I know it would look better on so many other drag artists. And that's not a read for her, but I think 
I would like it on someone like Kara. I don't know. Better makeup. I love the futuristic elements of the look. I wish there was some hair coming out of that headpiece. The makeup. Why she went with green is beyond me. I wish it was either silver or black. The color story is not strong. It's fine. It's just, it looks like a walking piece of art. Um, This is probably one of my probably my top look or my second top look of the week, just because it actually fits the category. And this seems like something different from Michael. Like, I don't know. Michael's drag is just very, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but it kind of reminds me of Pink, um, the singer. Sure. It's just very, like, I don't give a fuck. And I don't, it's I very like, rough. Like it. Yeah. yeah. I like this look. Graham says that she knows she will get good critiques because everyone on the panel just wants to say, I love your dick. And he did. He says the look is stunning. He says a lot of people try to think of something clever to do with Mirror Mirror, and she said, nope, mirrors. Michelle says the way that she handled the character was fun and enjoyable. She loved her relationship with Vicky. Kush says she had the strongest duet in the whole piece, even though everyone was fantastic because she was more interested in making each other work. Rue says fab, 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 and says the outfit is spectacular and says this is what Donna Summer should have been wearing the whole time. Don't get why but okay she says her performance in the panto she was giving it all she got and she was sold when was her first panto well michael says she must have been four and says a lot of the jokes went straight over the kids heads but would look at the adults going what's funny about dick and pussy she knows now i'll give this look a reflection audience 92 percent reflection eight percent rejection oh yeah they ate that up they did. Rue has made some difficult decisions. She will call forward Caramel and Tamara Thomas as they are safe, leaving Ginger Johnson, Michael Maroli, Kate Butch, Dee Delicious, Vicky Vivacious, and Banksy as the tops and bottoms. Do you agree? Um, hmm. Cara I personally Tamara am fine with this. Because they were together, I guess that makes sense to have both of them safe. So yeah. Now, back in the workroom, the safe queens are lounging about. Kara says that the fact that they changed roles is heartbreaking. Do you think they should have, or do you think that the overall product would have suffered if they did swap around roles? They might have ended up in the bottom. So, once you I think so too. Those little queens. Because vocally, I do not think Tamara would have been able to do Michael's part. Yeah, I think they should have been happy with this outcome. Yeah. Well, for them, no more nice queens. The girls are back, and it's time to run down the tee for the main stage, where Dee Dee says it's her and Banksy 1,000% in the bottom. She thinks she did start out super strong, but she kind of got lost and didn't know what to do with it. Banksy says if she's being honest, she got lovely critiques. She says she was happy, but got in her own head a little bit. She says she was nervous playing the part, and the issue was with playing such a small role, you have to make it really memorable, and thinks she missed the mark. Which is true. She just didn't do anything special with it. And do you feel like, I don't know, like it was her dancing that played a part, just her overall Hopefully. presence? I think everything, because I think if she wasn't comfortable dancing, her presence is just going to be awkward and uncomfortable. Because I, I don't know how she, did she do bad during the girl group, like with the choreo? They, no, because they were standing around a fucking couch. Oh, she was in that group? <laughs> <laughs> She walked around the couch. She didn't do anything. That's hilarious. Now, they all had so much fun in the challenge. No one did shit, but if you had to pick two, well, according to Banksy, they were the shit. 
As Banksy said last week, they were just as shit as each other. And tomorrow, yeah, the quest, the confessional queen. Carr says they must be splitting hairs when it comes to the runway. And Vicky says, if you look back at the critiques, she says hers was 99% to 100% all good. So she potentially could be the top of the week. She says she can smell another badge but thinks it's between her and Michael, which is very interesting because we have this weird power dynamic where they're forgetting the campy campy queens because clock that face from Kate. She says Vicky is forgetting that her and Ginger were in the top as well. Which, I guess, begs the question, officially, were they not a top three and top um, b- bottom three? What does the wiki say? Because I believe the wiki says four tops, two bottoms. Yeah, that's why I saw um, two bottoms, two states, and everyone else was high. Kara is curious about Kate's critique on her look. And there's laughter, which Kara follows up and says that she would be, we'll say it, that one of the looks that you'd look in the mirror and maybe take one maybe two maybe three things off to which kate is like and be left in a bikini and again this is that thing that we talked about earlier where i just don't think kara has the same respect for campy queens kara has a yeah, body that i don't agree with what she said either i agree kate does not have the body to pull off what kara does kara would not look good in what kate wore but that's because they're two different queens and you have to respect it and the fact that kara just does not want to give kate any respect it's sad i don't I don't see why, like, hmm. I know you said because, like, they're more towards, like, the campy queens, but do you think Kara feels, like, threatened as far as... Oh, fully. Oh, fully. And this is what we, we keep on watching. When Kara feels like someone's better than her, she does not want you to be there and will try to knock you down. Hmm. Now, Ginger will say that they loved her performance since she did a lot with the small amount of time she had on stage, and she sang really well. So she's proud of what she did. She will share that Rue told her what her look would go down in history as one of the most wackadoodle things. And well, that's when we're going to peep the lack of nails. She's got nothing on her hands. And she still won, which is like... Ginger is overwhelmed by the critiques and has no idea if they like the look or if it's one of the worst things they've seen. But they will all cheers to doing Panto on Drag Race because yes, they did. The decisions are in. The winner of the week is Ginger Johnson. Kate, Michael, and Vicky are safe, leaving Banksy and Delicious as the bottom two. Obviously, I do not agree. I think Kate was fully, fully, fully robbed. Where do you stand? Kate should have won, but I do kind of see as far as like a storytelling perspective. Ginger, yeah. she was getting into a Bacara. She had that um that big chunk when they were talking about story hour. And then she did really well. And she did. The look was iconic to them, but other than that, yeah. Besides, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna call people in one year and say, "Do you remember Ginger Johnson's um, mirror mirror look?" And if anyone says yes, I'll give them a um, a pin. If they don't remember it, then it proves our point. I don't think it's. I just don't. I don't think that um, Kate will get a win before she gets eliminated, which makes me sad. Like. It's to awesome. think about because he's top three material to me. Here comes the biggest choice of this entire episode. The song. All I'm going to say is I rolled my fucking eyes. Like what the fucking fuck? It's I dreamed a dream as performed by Susan Boyle. Yes. Americans, if you do not remember Susan Boyle, she was on 
Britain's Got Talent and looked very homely. Simon Cowell was in shock and she became an international icon. And now she is just a bitch. Two queens who have no business doing Les Miserables, one of which who has never seen a musical, are about to do one of the most dramatic emotional works in musical theater. What the fucking fuck? Here we are. <laughs> here we I am are. all here for having more musical theater on Drag Race because it is a huge part of drag. But maybe let's do things that are a little more in line with Six last season and not the most depressing rendition of this track. Like, I, I know Susan Boyle is the most British thing you could possibly have on a campy TV show. But come on, save it for a different week. So, um, as far as, like, what they gave, do you think it was, like, really bad or was it, like, fair? I think Dee Dee was saved because they have a plan for her arc and Banksy was just not giving else anything else for the production. Again, when I talked about it earlier about text analysis, I also talk about performance analysis. Dee Dee was not capturing what Susan Boyle was doing in the song. She went bigger and grander before the song even got there because there is a natural build to the song. Um, do you know who did the best performance in this performance? The lighting designer who gets all the props for that flourish of light following the bridge and that big buildup. That was the best part of this entire lip sync. So you don't even live for like um, Dee Dee's little hand movements with the nails. I thought that was sickening. I'm not going to lie. It was. It was. If she didn't have those nails, though, it wouldn't have looked cool. Um, also, she was trying to do that vibrato like she's fucking Patty Lapone, um, which Dee Dee probably won't even get that reference either. But do you, I feel like Banksy was trying to like what you were saying, like build as the song was going on. But I think she got lost. Like she was, in she that. checked out. She completely checked out in the middle of it. She did not. She, yeah, you're right. She tried to go there. She worked with it. Um, she just didn't have any life left. She knew it was over. And that's crazy because I don't think. She knew she was going home this episode. No, like, I, don't I don't think she did either. Um, like, I would love to see a redo of this lip sync, maybe with, like, Ginger and Kate, please. Like, that would actually be legendary. Ginger and Kate. Um, yeah, they can use the theater. They can. The theater as it all. Well, the lamb has gone to slaughter. Banksy is eliminated. DD stays. Do you agree? Yes. Um, Banksy was the the weakest performer especially with what she was given. And I think that Didi did better in the lip sync because... Yeah, I agree. I feel like Didi knew she had to perform in order to stay. I agree. Well, Banksy's going to get to do the runway one more time. It was very funny. I don't know if this was a reference to something or she just wanted to show her ass on her way out, but <laughs> it wasn't in line with um, uh, the twerk from last season, but this was pretty good. The room was like, you know what? I'm going to let you do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I, I love that. I got some burning questions to wrap up this podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. What is Banksy's legend legacy? Um, Fashion queen who didn't need the whole season to show what she's about. So you think she was gone too soon? Um, I think if she would have stayed longer, I don't think it would have helped her because she's going to get books. Like, 
Right. I think that's exactly what I think people are not going to realize, but they're going to understand. She left at the right time for her career. I don't think she would have done herself any justice because she probably would have landed in the bottom continually. So this was good for her career. Is it a shocking elimination? I don't know if I can agree with that. Maybe others will, but this is again, a very strong cast from this point forward. It's going to be hard to eliminate anybody. And they like caught me by surprise. I did not expect this cast to be yeah, as yeah. well-rounded as they are. Who won the week? Who the best episode? Um, best in this episode? Yeah. All around, this is just Kate City. It's Kate. Yeah, it's I, I Kate think City. it's interesting because like I want to say Kate, but at the end of the day, like the star of the episode was fucking Ginger. But that's because they told me Ginger was the star of the episode. Do you think this is gonna like propel her to the finale or oh fully? Absolutely. Ginger's a lock now. She's in the time has come to snatch game for your life. Who do you think is gonna do well? I in the snatch game. Not be Didi. Yeah, Didi is gonna be in trouble. Maybe Kara, which makes me like a little stressed out because she cannot be in the bottom again. As long as Kara doesn't do like a real house from wife from Atlanta, I think we're okay. Because Rue does not like the real housewives. She, she doesn't <laughs> not. She's not here for it anymore. All right, after five episodes, the winner of the season is Tamara. Interesting. I think Tamara is going to end up being. I'm going to say Tamara is going to end up being the Bimini. She's going to be the fan favorite who doesn't win, and the fans are going to be furious. At this point in time, the most consistent queen is Michael Maruli. Ooh. Michael could sneak up. Like, could you imagine? Do you, what do you is like, Michael see her not good at? This whole season? What's Michael not good at? As long as she can get that fan vote, then she's in there. I think Michael might have it. All right. Where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug? Um, you can find my TikTok at Zach Iconic. You can find my Instagram at Zach underscore Iconic. And yeah, just follow me on both those platforms. And thank you so well, much this... for having me, by the way. I live for this. Like I It was so much somewhere. fun. I hope you'll come back for another episode of another franchise soon because we still have another one that's yet to debut. There's plenty of drag race. Are you doing Dragula? I sure am. Oh, wow. You're going to be working, uh, working, working. Yeah, no sleep for me. Mm-hmm.